1: Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops podcast. Brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope that you guys have been having a great, great week. I most certainly have been. I have something coming up tomorrow, which is super, super cool. Something I'm excited about. Something that I've been working on for the past few weeks with a very, very good friend of mine. From the Thirsty Thursday Virtual Hang Gang, keep your eye on the Vox and Hops social media accounts because uh, there's something new starting tomorrow and it's cool. This week's underrated gem is Casket Robbery. Get ready, people. This is a hell of a track and I'm super stoked to play it for you right now. This is From Hell by Casket Robbery on this week's underrated gem. shit, that was amazing. I love that track. I hope that you guys enjoyed it as well. If you guys enjoyed Casket Robbery, if you did, go and check out Casket Robbery. I have put all of their pertinent links in the description of this podcast. Go support them because they are such a sick-ass band. On today's episode, I am with an awesome human who runs the Metal Matters podcast, Everything Went Black podcast, and Necromaniacs podcast. He's also the vocal and guitarist of the band Tombs. Get ready, people. This is Vox and Hops episode number 209 with Mike Hill.
0: I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed.
1: Hey, what's up, everybody? Today I'm with Mike Hill, the vocalist and guitarist of the band Tombs. I'm super stoked to be with you. You have a new record coming out via season amiss called Under Sullen Skies. How you doing, Mike? Let's start with uh, a simple yet complex question that I like to throw people right at the beginning recently. How have you been coping with 2020?
0: Well, you know, it's been a challenge like uh, for everyone else. And um, yeah, at the beginning, uh, it was very tough. You know, everything was shut down. Um, A lot of our, you know, we had a lot of touring that um, got canceled. Actually, uh, one of my bucket list tours that I've been sort of dreaming about for most of my life got canceled. It was us with uh, Supporting Napalm Death. Oh, shit. I mean, one of my all-time favorite bands, man. And uh, once we got offered to do that tour, I was like, this is great. It's like, got... This new record coming out. You know, it was back when the EP was kinda came out. Per I'm like perfect, you know, be able to hit the road, do a US tour. Uh the other bands on the bill were great too. And um lo and behold, the whole thing got shut down. And uh yeah, it just felt like everything was on this like very intense stasis, you know, for lack of a better term. But uh but yeah, I mean things have gotten better. Um, you know, we recorded this album. Uh, I'm grateful that I'm able to continue to work and make a living. I know a lot of people are, are experiencing hardships like uh, like that. And that's not the case with me, which I'm very grateful for. And um, and yeah, just trying to make the best of it, you know.
1: Absolutely. And that, that tour package was an absolute rager with Aborted on it as well.
0: Aborted. Yeah, totally. And uh, yeah, it's just that's a drag. Maybe I mean, hopefully it happens next year. Maybe. I don't know.
1: I would hope so. I would hope so. A lot of there's a lot of talk of rescheduling, moving things forward and stuff. Uh, Vox and Ops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, music and craft beer. What are you what are you sipping
0: on there, Mike? Well, this is, um, so, you know, it's, it's kind of it's a weeknight. So it's a school night for me. You know, I have to work tomorrow. And uh, right now I'm drinking um, uh, Celestial. Se- what the hell is it called? Uh, this is basically just spearmint tea in uh, in water
1: <laughs> beautiful, beautiful that sounds very refreshing on yeah. my side i'm going to be drinking at bucks. georgette this is their sour and wild uh mixed fermentation brew it's been aged for 22 months in oak wow uh, huge shout out to, to pa mayu for hooking me up with this uh always always a pleasure to drink some at albuck this clocks in at a nice uh 6.2 percent uh talk to me about beer do you remember the first beer you ever had
0: mike probably uh something cheap and you know readily available like bush or budweiser or something like that you know probably uh listening to uh you know, some old school heavy metal like Scorpions or Iron Maiden or something, and along those lines, probably outside, you know, by a lake with some older guys, you know, and some chicks. That's probably probably my experience. I think with uh, my first beer, you know.
1: That sounds like a fun time and like a, a an awesome movie that I want to watch. <laughs> 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 Cheers, Mike. Cheers. Ooh, it smells awesome. so You can tell. Smell the oak. Ah, oh, this is awesome to die for those wild earthy notes amazing uh have you dabbled into the world uh the obsessive compulsive slippery staircase of craft beer yet mike
0: i'm kind of a dilettante when it comes to beer uh yeah i've never been much of a drinker really i think but i but i do like uh there's there's cape may which is like a a local jersey uh brewery um they have they have some some nice ipas out here in, in the east coast uh like allagash white you know i'm not really one of those like you know, that's something I've experienced like maybe two years ago and um, I've been a fan of that. You know, that's very good. Um, yeah. So, I mean, those are those are probably my two go-tos right now.
1: Absolutely. And Allagash is amazing. Yeah. Amazing brewery. Uh, let's dance into classic Vox and Hops question is, uh, tell me about when you were in your youth, uh, what music was playing in the house when you were not in control? Basically, what music did your parents or guardians listen to?
0: Oh, Okay. That's actually a pretty good question because it actually has molded some of my music uh, preferences in, in adult life, you know. Uh, my parents were really into, like, girl group stuff from the 50s, uh, Chuck Berry, uh, Roy Orbison, um, you know, that sort of, like, stuff, like, you know, Rockabilly, uh, you know, very very East Coast, like, New York girls groups, like the Sherelds and the Flamingos, things like that. Uh, and I think that that, like especially Roy Orbison sort of um primed me for my uh like fascination with the Misfits and Sam Hain and Danzig and all that kind of stuff. I mean, uh, a lot of the punk that I listened to was was delving into that kind of world. Uh you know, I used to obviously I love the Misfits, they're like one of my favorite bands. Sam Hain, one of my favorite bands. Uh bands like X from LA. You know, had that kind of, like, American, like, rock and roll, like, vibe to it. So that was the kind of stuff that I absorbed as a kid, which was just being presented to me, like, through my parents. Like, they had, like, 78 RPM record collection and things like that, you know?
1: That's awesome. You remember just sitting on the floor, just picking through them?
0: Pretty much. You know, they, they used to have these boxes. I mean, you probably uh, you probably seen those, like, these, like, record boxes with, like, a handle on it. And... You know, I would just go in there and look at all that stuff and check things out. And, you know, there was one of those old, like, console uh, stereo systems. Um, you know, this big wood, wooden piece of furniture. <laughs> and it had the 78 RPM option on it. So I'd play 78s and 33s and 45s and all this stuff and just going through the collection. My dad uh, was, uh, you know, very big into music and stuff. And, you know, he grew up, you know, we're, we're originally uh, New Yorkers, so my dad... Was a you know, and my mom both grew up in the Bronx. So my dad was very much always going to the Apollo, and very much exposed to all these things, you know. And that sort of that background made it into my life too, you know. Fascination with music.
1: Awesome. Would you say that your first show that you ever went to go see was with your father?
0: Yeah. Oh, actually, it was the first show I ever saw was with my dad. I went to go see Molly Hatchet at uh, the Poughkeepsie Mid Hudson Civic Center.
1: Do you remember that time? What was that whole experience like Do you? Do you remember, you know, the the vibe of it? And uh, is it something that appealed to you immediately that you would one day be the person
0: on stage? Yeah, I think that at that point I was like very young. I think I was like 12 or 13, maybe. And um, I'd started uh, playing guitar and I started thinking about having some kind of aspiration to play in front of people and uh, I was you know, I was very much into bands like, you know, Scorpions, UFO, Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin. And I ended up buying these Molly Hatchet records because they had these Frank Frazetta album covers. Oh, and, oh, yeah, by the way, I was really into Conan and, you know, H.P. Lovecraft and all that sort of stuff. Like, real, I mean, I think anyone that listens to metal <laughs> loves Conan, so. You have to. You have to, it's like a rite of passage. <laughs> so, Molly Hatchet had really brutal album covers but they weren't necessarily like Judas Priest or something like that. They had this kind of Southern rock thing going on, which was like, you know, I was I was experiencing things, open, you know, to different ideas. So that was like literally the only show that was happening, and I was like, Dad, I got I got to see live music, man. We got you got to take me somewhere. So, uh, you know, we we saw that there were tickets available for the show, and me and my dad went, and uh, there was like a lot of like marijuana beats smoke and all that. So, you know, my dad was like, kind of like, you know, that, that was not his experience. And, and I, you know, I was a kid, I was 12. So there's always like older people like hanging out. It was like, you know, dudes with like long hair and like mustaches and everything. And chicks with like feather earrings. And, you know, it's like, it's like that, uh, you know, Hudson Valley vibe, you know what I mean? Like upstate, not, not quite upstate New York, but like the Hudson Valley, you know, that's, this sort of like rural suburban kind of thing, and the Mid Hudson Civic Center was like this kind of B market. As you know, as I learned, you know l- later on in life, what an A and a B market was. Poughkeepsie is like a B market, you know. So shows like that would roll through, not necessarily like your Metallica's or your. Well, actually, Slayer did play it up in Poughkeepsie at one point, but but yeah, it wasn't uh, that kind of uh, A market. So. But that that was the first, like, heavy rock show I ever went to. It was with my dad.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. I love that. Um, But I discovered music and metal through my father as well, so I love that. Uh, Take me to your first time on stage. My first time on
0: stage? Let me... Damn, I had to be, like... All right, I played played in bands in high school, but we didn't really play on stages. (laughs) You know what I mean? It was more just, like, VFW-type stuff, and... uh, The first actual stage that I played on was probably in the early 90s when uh, I was in this band called Otis. And uh, it was like, you know, it was early 90s. So we were like, kind of like this amphetamine reptile. Uh, You know, there's a little bit of a hardcore influence. There was a lot of a lot of like a helmet kind of thing going on. And um, it was at the Rathskeller in Boston, which is like, you know, kind of like a famous or infamous venue in New England. And, um, you know, it's in some ways, it's the CBGBs of Boston. Like, you know, all these, you know, the police played there back in the day. Metallica actually played a show, you know, and they were first starting out. So it was like, you know, kind of like a big deal for me to play a show there. Then it was like some Tuesday night thing where, you know, our band had a demo. So we were trying to, like, you know, play shows. We didn't really know anyone. So we got put on a bill with a bunch of bands that really were like, and I'm sure like, you know, everyone jokes about the ska band being on the bill, but I think there literally was a ska <laughs> band on the bill. So, you know, it was, it was, it was, but it was like, you know, step one towards, you know, pro- progress towards like actually getting to play in front of people, you know, and, and doing it, not being in the practice space. And I remember, You know, that was, like, the first band I ever really did anything with, like, touring and making records and that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, you know, we practiced a whole lot, man. We were, like, obsessively practicing, like, every day. And I was like, wow, I'm finally, I'm, like, on stage now. This is, like, now we're not in the practice space anymore. This is, like, for real, you know? It's kind of, it was a good, it was, like, a a very, actually, it's funny how much I remember that, because that's quite a while ago. But, yeah, it was it was a formative experience, I think, for me. You know like,
1: exactly, and that's why I always ask about it because that first time on stage, and it's funny that you mentioned that that it you, you played a bunch of shows before that, but actually gets, getting onto the stage made such a big difference.
0: <laughs> well, really, it really did because, like, when you're playing in just like a party, you know, or something like that, which is like pretty much what I, I did all through you know high school. It's like we played at parties, and you know, there was like the occasional like VFW kind of thing, and. Which is just a party, really. I mean, you know, I was—I I lived that. You know, the town I grew up in was like small. You know, and none of us had, you know, cars or anything like that. And playing in like New York City was like not an option because we had no transportation or anything like that. You know, so, you know, we played parties and, I guess, the occasional, random show and. You know, but it, it was like, yeah, we literally just played the this on the floor, you know, and there's no stage, no real sound system. Like we we brought our PA basically, and that was like kind of the sound <laughs> system that we used.
1: That's amazing. That's amazing. And I and I feel on par. The first time that I played Fufuneli Electric here in Montreal, that was like a a huge moment. Knowing that it's the CBGBs of Montreal, Nirvana has played there. It was like a huge. I'm here, but there was nobody there to watch me. But
0: I was there. <laughs> well, that that's the thing, man. It's like it becomes like like the location is like you're like oh yeah we're playing here, you know. It's this is like where like Sting was or whatever, you know. Like you two played here, but when you uh, you get there, there's like oh yeah, there's like you know my 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 girlfriend's here and like uh, one other person. I I don't oh I don't know that guy standing back there. I'd never seen him before, but he like leaves before you play or whatever. And it's like that's just the, that's the that's the way it goes, and it's like. I think like I think most people that play bands like they play more of those shows than they do shows that are like okay this is like real happening and it's like you know all these people here it's like cool like it's like you play more shows that there's no one there I think you know so least in my experience it happens
1: it definitely 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 happens and every show is worth at least three jams so just keep doing them people. Keep pushing. You always learn something new on stage. It's always very important. Let, let's uh, dance into uh, Under Sullen Skies, the new record. Uh, how do you feel? You mentioned that you guys dropped the EP or you were touring the EP. Everything got canceled because COVID sucks. And then you had the chance to record a new record. Was that something that was already on the docket? Or is it something that you guys advanced because you couldn't tour?
0: Well, it was already in the plan. Uh, you know, we when we signed the season of Mist last year, uh, you know, we had... We were, we were gonna self like not I don't I'm not gonna say self release but we were gonna license that EP we were gonna record it and license it and but then we actually signed a deal with Season of Mist and they were like right away they wanted to do an LP so they were like well how soon can you do you have enough material for a full length and I was like uh, pretty much so we had those like I, I don't even remember how many songs are on uh, Monarchy I think five or whatever so that 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 was recorded and then right we already had the time booked it was actually going to be done uh, between the, the drums are going to be done before the Napalm Death Tour and then the guitars and vocals and everything else and all the rest of the production is going to be done right when we get back from the Napalm Death Tour so we still follow that schedule you know what I mean it was like the drums were done and then like a month later we did the guitars and everything else because the tour got cancelled but the studio was closed because like obviously everything was in lockdown and and uh the engineer bobby torres a friend he's a friend of ours too not just the guy we record with but he's a good friend um he was like hey you know if you guys feel comfortable you know we probably shouldn't be doing this but if you're down let's try to be as safe as we can and do the record and i'm like sure you know so you know we, we went up there um you know, it's just like one or two of us at a time and you know, and Bobby and we just, you know, made our way through the record and did everything and Season of Miss wanted to stay on schedule releasing it in the fall. And uh and yeah, I mean it's all part of the plan. And I was just happy that they were able to follow through with that because, you know, once things started, you know, dragging on and on, I was like, Man, what what the hell's what's the significance of all this? Is there gonna be like this record going to get bumped until next year because there's no tours? We can't support it. And that's probably the biggest drag. It's like, you know, I mean, I love making records and recording, but like playing live is really what it's all about, you know, for me and the rest of the guys in my band too. We all agree that like the live, you know, just the adventure going on tours, like seeing something different and traveling and, you know, flying to Europe and doing stuff over there and, But all that stuff is so far away right now. It just seems so distant. And, you know, I had like, like I was saying, we had these huge plans for this year just being on tour, you know, and just I'm home, (laughs) you know, and it's like I haven't spent this amount of time at home in I can't even remember the last time I was home this much, you know, and it's it's kind of a bummer, you know. (sighs)
1: It's a blessing in disguise with with certain things. You know, I have young children, so I got to be there throughout a whole summer for the first time. Uh, But uh, you you touched on a bunch of topics that I did want to go through. Um, Releasing a record during a pandemic. Uh, Was there ever a moment that you thought they're going to shelf it, they're going to push it? Uh, or was there a discussion with Season about that uh, to wait until you could actually tour it? Or was it just always, let's just keep going with the schedule and release the music?
0: Um, the, the doubt, like, actually, I I hadn't... I didn't think they were going to shelve it because they they would have, you know, shut it down, like, right in the beginning of the production. They would have been like, all right, let's reschedule everything. Uh, so, I mean, I, I was under the impression that it was coming out on schedule. Um, but, you know, there was, like, a couple-week period, like, once... Once the tour got canceled, I was like, "Huh, I wonder if like, wonder how long this is going to go on and like how how the, what the repercussions would be." Because uh, you know, as you as you know, it's like you know, at this level of music and this style of music and playing extreme metal or heavy metal music, the touring is like really what it's all about. It's like you got to sell some shirts. <laughs> yeah, you got to stay in front of people, <laughs> and you know, it's it's like i mean that's like one of the greatest things about extreme music and metal is like you know people actually buy merchandise you know it's like friends i know people that play like indie rock style bands and you know different types of bands and like no one buys anything at the shows oh, I, was really? like, I mean i i actually uh, a couple of years ago i went to see the brian jonestown massacre and uh you know my, my girlfriend at the time was like a huge fan of theirs and uh i, I mean i like brian jonestown massacre too i'm a very uh, a lot of respect for anton and uh so i'm at the show and i'm like i thought like you know you could know, buy like a hoodie or like a long sleeve or something you know what i mean I'm like i figured they would just be birch they didn't have anything they had like one t-shirt design oh, really? it was just like and i was like wow no one was on no one was there no one was buying <laughs> anything it was like you know it's a pretty pretty well attended show pretty big venue there's probably like 600 people there you know which to me is a big show and I look over at the merch table and there's like one person standing there just kind of like absently looking at some of the stuff. And I, there was one shirt design and I'm like, damn, how do these how do these guys like survive on the road, man? You know, and it's like, you know, but that that's what I mean. It's like a, it's a good scene, you know, metal and hardcore punk. It's like, you know, it's it's different than other scenes. And I feel, you know, I'm happy to be part of that, you know
1: absolutely and it's a sense of community for sure and i miss going out on tour and i know i'm going to go through this city i know that that person's going to be there and i miss hanging out with my my global metal family i really really do
0: yeah totally you know and and even even being home and not going to shows too it's like you know yeah that's like the main thing is like all right i'm home but i'm not even going out i'm not even doing anything it's like there aren't even any shows and um you know that's like the worst part about it too
1: but you have had a lot of time to to keep going in the world of podcasting
0: yes that's true yeah, yeah it's, that's that's the one thing that, that hasn't slowed down <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's gotten faster and more intense so so let's talk about podcasting you have two of them running am i correct
0: well two and a half i would say okay, there's so uh
1: tell me all about your podcasting work, cause i think it's awesome
0: yeah well there, there's metal matters which is to give me metal like that's their platform And um, that podcast is weekly and it's uh, it's a mix of uh, straight up interviews and then like um, classic records type episodes. And lately I've been doing these like deep cuts episodes with a variety of different people uh, where we just, you know, we'll we'll talk about a specific band or records that aren't necessarily uh, well known or. Playlists of various stuff that's like a little bit more obscure. And, um, like a lot, I mean, we started, we touched on that earlier this year, and people seemed to like it. So that's why I pursued it because I was thinking to myself, I'm like, well, you know, Gimme's going to want to have like, you know, talk about like, like Rain and Blood by Slayer or something, you know, where it's like a well known, well, but, but people who listen to want to hear, they want to learn stuff. They want to like find out about things that they're not necessarily, uh, aware of. Because I, I guess that makes sense. It's like the whole point of that platform is to like have curated content where people can learn about things. And, you know, you can listen to Dan Loker's DJ show and he can play like obscure black metal and thrash and stuff like that. And um, I guess I've just been following suit with the podcast, you know, spent an hour talking about different bands and records that we know about and are to me like a household, some household bands But people are like, oh, I never even heard of those guys. And thanks for turning me on to it. Like Skin Yard, for example, was a band that, uh, to me, they're a household name. I mean, I listen to them all the time. But, like, you know, a lot of people have never heard of them before. And there's this one particular record called Hallowed Ground that, you know, I I get to this day. That that episode ran, I think, last year. And to this day, I get, like, emails every now and then about, oh, yeah, I just listened to the Hallowed Ground episode. And that band is really cool. I didn't realize that. Those guys went on to be in Grunt Truck and Jack and Dino was in the band and all this other stuff. So that's been a lot of fun, you know. And uh, the other the other uh, weekly I do is uh, Necromaniacs, which is a podcast about, uh, you know, horror. And uh, I got to do it with two other guys. I do it with Mike Scandato, who is the uh, vocalist for uh, a New York hardcore band uh, called The Last Stand and he was formerly of a band which i'm I'm not going to say these guys broke up because every now and then they'll they'll play shows but a band called inhuman and uh mike and i started the podcast together and we just recently drafted uh jeff Kashid, who uh played bass in isis and uh palms and you know jeff jeff and i have been like yeah I, i was friends with him before isis existed and and he used to play in cable like back in the day and and it, it, one of the things that we always bonded over was talking about, like, movies and horror movies specifically. And uh, so I figured to make it uh, a weekly thing, it would be cool if we had, like, a rotating, uh, you know, hosts. So I'm on, I'm on every week, and then it's either me or Mike or me or Jeff. So it's it's been a lot of fun. That's been, like, a weekly thing. And then there's, like, the uh, the other half half show that I do, which is, like... <laughs> This thing called uh, Everything Went Black, which is like my very f- first, you know, foray into the podcasting world. And I've been doing that for like seven or eight years. And it, yeah, it doesn't, it's just, nowadays it's just me talking, you know, and about ver- this things. And um, occasionally I'll have a guest. It started out almost identical to what Metal Matters was. And I think that's what Motivated them to to bring me on as a podcast host because they were listening to everything went black. So So that's all three of those are still for active right now.
1: That's amazing, dude Um, Seven eight years ago. That's like you you were in the early wave of podcasting now. It's just insane So so tell me how you even got
0: into podcasting. Why did you even start doing that? Well, the first podcast I listened to was um, a horror podcast called the midnight podcast and it was this one guy and he would just talk by He had, I was blown away by how well this guy spoke. And um, you know, I would, I was driving out to, I was living in Brooklyn and working in New Jersey, so I had to drive out there every day. And uh, it was, I had like my iPod at the time, and uh, I just discovered podcasts. I don't, I don't know even know how I found out about it. Maybe I read about it online, and then I saw on iTunes there was this thing called podcasts so I was like oh there's stuff about horror let me check this out so the very first one was this midnight midnight horror show or midnight podcast and then of course the the Joe Rogan experience was like you know I'm a very big fan of uh, you know MMA and you know just martial arts in general and I'm not a big comedy fan ironically even though I listen to Joe Rogan who's a comedian primarily but uh I thought that the variety of things that he discussed on his show really inspired me to talk about different things. So I just decided to kick, to get into it, just to do it. And, you know, I've been just slowly chipping away at it and being very consistent and developing it as, as a, you know, just developing it, trying to get better at doing it every year and, and you know, that sort of thing. That's
1: amazing. That's amazing. And it is all about that. It's about being consistent and releasing quality content. And that's what I've been striving to do. And that's an absolutely amazing thing that everyone should keep in their mind if they want to start podcasting. So give me, hit you up and, and brought you, you on to be their host.
0: Yeah, they they interviewed me. It's funny. It's, um, we were playing, uh, OzFest like a few years ago. I think it was like the last OzFest and there was like a bunch of press set up and, um, you know, you just, you get a schedule. They they put you on a golf cart and they wheel you out to some tent somewhere, and you start talking to all these different people. And uh, one of the interviews was Give Me Radio, and um, Tyler at that time they were I they I didn't never even heard of them. Like they just started. I think this was like two or three years ago. And um, you know, Tyler was like the owner. You know, he's like, yeah, you know, when you get back from tour, let's talk. You know, about podcasts and all this other stuff. So I'm like, all right, cool. So from there, we just started the conversation, and uh, you know, he offered me uh, you know this gig to do to host the show and produce it and everything. And um, that's basically it was as easy as that, you know. And uh, it's a lot of work, though. You know, it's, it's definitely a lot of work for sure.
1: You got to be consistent. You got to put the hours in, but it's a it's a passion, just as as extreme music is. Yeah, you have yeah. to. You have to put the work in if you love it. I did want to talk about ISIS because you worked on one of the early records. Am I right?
0: Oh yeah, it was, well, it really it was a demo that they put out as like a, like bonus tracks. I think on the Red Sea, uh, like of release of that because it was the mosquito control. Uh, I think was it? Was that it? It was a that's, cassette. That's what I read. Yeah. Yeah, it's cassette and it had a mosquito on it. And then then that got re-released a couple years later as like uh, the the B side of the Red Sea or something like that. Yeah,
1: that's awesome. I'm a huge, huge Isis fan. Yeah, Uh, and and, and Palms as well, actually. So, so that's that's super cool that uh, you're hooked up with them.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I was saying, I've I've been friends with those guys since before the band started, and uh, you know, was when I was I lived in Boston for a number of years, and that's when Hydra Head was located out there, and it's just like. Yeah, we all, for the most part, we all worked at the Newberry Comics warehouse, and it was, yeah, except for Turner. Turner had his, he was running, at that point, he was running the label full time, pretty much, but all, all, everyone in that band, even Jeff, for a brief period of time, myself, and a variety of other people in bands, like, that were kind of, you know, up and coming around that time, all worked at the warehouse together.
1: That's awesome. Uh, We have a mutual friend, uh, the great, the wild, the crazy, Andy Thomas.
0: Oh, yeah, dude. And he was in tubes for a brief period, yeah.
1: Exactly. So I hit him up. He's also a Vox and Ops alumni. I hit him up and I said, what should I ask Mike that will make him laugh? So so he, I didn't ask for any backstory, so all I have is, is three words. Sweet desert
0: angel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's a good one. That's actually a really good one, yeah. That made me laugh. What's yeah. that all about? Well you know Andy was in the band for about a year uh just touring with us like we you know there there was like some uh some problems after we recorded uh the grand annihilation with the with lineup so andy andy saved saved my ass and did a bunch of that whole year of touring with us and we were in uh somewhere in the southwest and um we were staying with some people that were like I don't know. they were like these wild types of uh, you know outlaw style um, people who stayed up all night, didn't seem to have any any responsibilities to do the next morning or anything. So we're hanging out in this house. And there's people just raging uh, to all hours. So there's this photograph of this this like it was like it, it was out of a movie or something. It was almost like this Cormac McCarthy esque like photograph of like this black and white of this like. Really sad-looking girl, you know what I mean? And I was like, "Damn, that's like kind of like kind of like an off-color photograph to hang." If this if this is like your girlfriend or like someone who used to be in your life, like this selection of this photo, I found to be odd because she looked very somber. So I go to Andy. I'm like, "Yeah, she's probably buried underneath the pool somewhere," you know. And I was like, "I see dead you. You know, I was like, he probably this guy probably like writes acoustic guitar songs about his sweet desert angel. You know? So yeah, that's that's in a nutshell. That's the story.
1: Cheers to Andy, and uh, thank you for sharing, Mike. He
0: played a solo on the new record, by the way. Did he?
1: Awesome. That's yeah. good to hear. He's a sick yeah. guitarist, and he's the oh, voice of an angel.
0: Oh, exactly. He's he's got it all, man. He can play guitar like a madman. He can sing like an angel, for sure. <laughs>
1: If you could make a Tooms craft beer, what style of beer would it be, and what would you call it?
0: That's an excellent question. I think I might go with a sour because I kind of like sours. Uh, let's see. Uh, what would I call it? See, the thing is, sours make me think of bright colors. That's the only thing. Because like, I, you know, the music that we make is very dark. You know what I mean? So I would, I would call it something like. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Uh I would call it Crimson Glory. Yeah. There you go. That sounds like you a drink. Blood, you know, vampires, like that kind of you know. Crimson has like a very you know, even though it's red and it's bright, but it also was reminiscent of like, you know, Mars, you know, the God of war, you know, passion, planets, you know, and blood, vampires, you know, the undead, like that kind of stuff.
1: Absolutely. Let's wrap this up with my classic wrap up question. Uh, It probably never happens to you because uh, you're very in control. And uh, even tonight it's a school night, so you're not drinking. But (laughs) every once in a while, it happens to everyone. What is your hangover cure?
0: Uh, Probably like a pork roll sandwich, which is like a New Jersey delicacy out here, you know? I don't know. Is that, you're, in, you're in Canada, right? I'm in Canada, Montreal. Yeah. You ever make it down to New Jersey?
1: Uh, not in a long time. Only with the band, actually.
0: All right. Well, when you come down to Jersey, try to check out a uh, pork roll sandwich. That's like. If if you have a hard night of drinking the next day, that'll that'll set you up.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time, having a chat with me, talking about your life, your music, a little bit about craft beer, a lot about podcasting. It was an absolute pleasure. Everybody go check out Toombs' new record, Under Sullen Skies, via Season of Mist. I know I'm going to, and I'm stoked. Cheers. Cheers.
0: Thank you very much, man.
1: Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. It is always so much fun to hook up with a fellow podcaster, to pick their brains, to see how they are coping with our very, very simple world problems that we have when we are a podcaster it's always a blast but not only that i was just super stoked to hang out with mike and talk about the new tombs record which just dropped called under sullen skies via season of mist records this record is absolutely fantastic i've been jamming it a lot since it dropped and i strongly suggest you check it out if you haven't if you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should most definitely go and subscribe to it on the podcast platform of your choice. But not only that, it would be great if you could take the time to rate it and write a review. Because if you do that, more people just like yourself will be able to discover the Vox and Hops podcast. Vox and Hops is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I hope you guys have a great, great weekend. I will be back next week with two episodes. But until then, remember to enjoy life. Metal. And craft beer. Cheers, Vox and hops heads. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now, you're going to be getting a little, a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob.
0: And my name's Patrick. And usually, we're joined by Tom.
1: Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like? Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcasts that, that you either love, want to love, or hate